Well, if you have your Bibles, we are in 1 Timothy chapter 5. We're finishing up uh, chapter 5 this morning. And uh, this is Paul's letter to a uh, young pastor in Ephesus. And uh, as we've been walking through this book, we can see that uh, Timothy is in a very tough situation. This is a difficult church to pastor. And, uh, and particularly for Timothy, because Timothy is following in steps of Paul. Paul was the pastor of this church uh, for three years. Now, how would you like to be Timothy uh, as the pastor of the church, having to follow the Apostle Paul, who has written much of the New Testament? Those would be hard shoes to fill. And yet that is the pastor who is leading uh, this church, and it is not an easy situation. And so Paul wrote this letter to Timothy uh, addressing uh, particular difficult issues in the church. Uh, There are authority issues. Um, Apparently there have been some elders in the past who have been false teachers uh, in this church. And how would you like to deal with that that situation? Uh, there's been a lot of gossiping uh, in this church. Uh, there were women who were wanting to assume roles that God had not designed for them to fill. Uh, there's been accusations made against the leadership of the church. And there have been people appointed to leadership positions uh, who weren't ready for those leadership positions, and they've had to be be disciplined. And so that's kind of what the text we're in this morning. Not not an easy place to serve or to pastor. So if you have your Bibles... We're going to start with verse 17 this morning, and we're going to go through verse 25. Paul says this, Let the elders who rule well be considered considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain." and a laborer deserves his wages. Do not admit a charge against an elder, except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. As for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all, so that the rest may stand in fear. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of the elect angels, I charge you to keep these rules without prejudging, doing nothing from partiality. Do not be hasty in laying on of hands, nor take part in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. The sins of some people are conspicuous, going before them to judgment. The sins of others appear later. 
so also good works are conspicuous, even those that are not cannot remain hidden. So as I said just a moment ago, um, Timothy is most likely one stressed out pastor. I want to bring your attention to verse 23 in particular, because in my my Bible, ESV, it's in parenthesis. Um, there's, it's just kind of a another thought in the middle of the text, but uh, Paul tells Timothy, no longer drink only water, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. Uh, I'm just wondering if... Uh, if uh, Timothy is uh, having some stomach issues related to all the stress that he's under, and that uh, Paul tells him to drink a little wine and not just water. Um, And so the thought occurs, had he been listening to the, uh, the false teachers who were emphasizing asceticism in the church, that, uh, that, Wine was no good and was to be avoided like certain foods. And was Timothy paying attention to these things and just only using water? And so that was uh, leading to his ailments. I don't know. Water, uh, water conditions were a little different back there in the first century than they are today. But um, it's something to uh, consider. And so... But, Yes, Timothy is under a lot of stress, and uh, and this morning, in the the text this morning, we're looking in particular of uh, the elders of the church and how we are to care uh, for the elders who who care for the sheep. And uh, there's two kind of elders that we need to be aware of as we look at verse 17. Verse 17 says this, Let the elders who rule well... Be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. And so in this text, we see two different types of elders in the church. There are the ruling elders who supervise the work, uh, the finances, the spiritual uh, direction, well-being of the congregation. And then there's another type of elder who rules by the preaching and the teaching of God's word. And the Bible says that we are to honor uh, the elders. Uh, may they be considered worthy of double uh, honor. And, uh, and so let me just mention this as we talk about elders, that uh, this is a leadership position that isn't like the secular world. Um, elders who lead, who serve in the church, their authority, their rule comes from the teaching and the obedience to the word of God. And if you go back to chapter 3 and the qualifications for an elder, uh, these are men who are not to be dictators or hot-headed in their temperament. They are to be men who are self-controlled, respectable, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome. So elders in the church are not to be hard-nosed dictators 
overseeing certain roles in the body of Christ. They need to be men um, of character and integrity and humility and gentleness. It's altogether different than the secular world. Yes, in ways, the church is a business, and so we need to operate by good principles and and practices um, as a business in today's culture. But people aren't to be pushed around um, and the gospel be disgraced by the way elders treat uh, those underneath them. We need to treat one another as God treats us. And so uh, being an elder requires uh, men who are spiritual-minded at overseeing various ministries of the church. And I want to say this again. I shared it as we were going through chapter 3 and uh, a couple weeks ago and the preaching of the word. I'm grateful, grateful for the spiritual elders of this church. And this church pays careful attention to men who are truly qualified for this position. It just can't be anybody who can fog a mirror. Okay? It's got to be people who are called to this servant leadership uh, position. And we have men in this church uh, who fit that description. Uh, They need to be men who are full of wisdom and uh, can come to difficult situations with water to put out a fire as opposed to gasoline. And we have men serving in that capacity who can do just that. And I appreciate all that these men uh, are, are doing in our church. So two types of elders. Uh, one is a ruling out elder over more of the administrative duties, and then there's another elder who has the teaching and preaching responsibilities. And Paul says that we need to honor these elders. Uh, verses 17 and 18. God wants his church to grow. He wants his church to grow spiritually as well as numerically. And the way the church is to grow is through the word of God. The word of God must be uh, taught, preached, um, modeled. Uh, It can't be man's methods of growing the church. Uh, And we've seen a lot of successful churches in particularly uh, in our country today, that have been built upon the personality of a man rather than the word of God. And those churches have gotten themselves into trouble. Jesus says, I will build my church. I'll get more into that in just a moment. But for elders who are teaching the word of God, Paul says they deserve a generous wage. You know, double honor. And double honor means it's translated generous. And he quotes uh, Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 4, where you aren't to muzzle the ox. Uh, The ox is uh, 
maybe you've uh, seen a picture of an ox uh, at, uh, with a yoke around his neck and going around in circles, and there's a large millstone in the middle of the circle, and it's grinding the, the wheat to uh, become flour. I think I have a video I want to show, with, show you uh, just a moment. Let's play that video. Paul is talking about, and as you look at that, watch that video, yeah, there I am, I'm the ox, and yeah, I'm about as big as that ox, now I'm not sure who that person is in the middle with the switch, uh, encouraging that ox to move along, I, I have some ideas, but I'm going to muzzle myself at this moment so I don't get myself into trouble. But uh, Paul says, don't muzzle the ox. The ox needs to have the ability to eat as he works, because if he does not eat, he's going to grow weary and tired, and the work that he is providing is not going to be able to feed the, the community in that, uh, in that location. And so Paul is saying that what the, the teaching pastor, what he de- does is essential to the life of the church, and uh, he desires double honor. Now, this is a difficult message to preach this morning because it can sound so self-serving. And I don't want to come across that way this morning because I want to say thank you, church, for the way that you take care of my family. I am not a- asking for double wages as I preach this text this morning, okay? Don't hear me say that because uh, you are generous as a church. But one of the ways that you could honor me um, as, because, for what I do in providing God's word is that you be generous to um, your tithes and offerings in this church because through your generosity, uh, there are people underneath uh, my ministry on our church staff who would be blessed by your generosity because they don't get paid nearly, nearly the amount that they are worth, okay? And, uh, but we only have a certain amount of funds in our budget that we can do things with our personnel staff. But one of the ways that you could honor me is by being generous to the budget uh, of, of our church. Uh, that will bless those who help uh, provide, uh, make sure that all the ministries of our church are operating uh, smoothly, that they're well-oiled. And, uh, and we need each one of those individuals, and they are doing an excellent job. And so that's how you could honor uh, the elders of our churches by being generous uh, with uh, the Lord's money to this local church. But uh, beyond that, I want to share something else of how you could uh, honor the elders. Next week, um, Jeff Randolph is going to be preaching from 1 Timothy chapter 6. 
Jeff came to us. Uh, you, as you know, Jeff is a gifted communicator and loves and knows the Word of God, and occasionally he preaches in the church. Well, we've added him to the preaching team, and, and Jeff has uh, willingly uh, volunteered to teach about every uh, six weeks in our church. Yeah. And he's, he's not in our budget. He's not in our budget. But one of the things that we can do, and he doesn't want to be paid, but you know what? A workman is worthy of his wages. And so we don't want to muzzle the ox. And so next Sunday, uh, I want us to take a love offering for Jeff as, as, as he has blessed us. Uh, he's done this over the last seven or eight months uh, now. And, uh, and so we want to return that blessing to him. Uh, next Sunday. So be praying about what God would have you to give as a love offering as uh, as Jeff teaches uh, next Sunday. And then even beyond that, um, I'm wanting to increase our teaching team. I think uh, it's a blessing to the church when there are multiple uh, elders, uh, elder types, who can bring God's word, teach God's word in the church. And so Jeff is on the teaching team, and uh, two, the, two, three weeks from uh, today, I've asked uh, Dr. Craig Mitchell, who's in our church, a new member of our church, who has uh, served in our denomination, has taught um, at uh, Southwestern Theological Seminary for 12 years and, and other uh, seminaries as well. He is a wealth of Bible information, and as long as he's in our community, I want to be able to use his gifts uh, and his abilities. And so Craig is going to be teaching from the last half of First Timothy chapter 6, three weeks from today. So uh, I look forward to uh, hearing uh, from Craig on that Sunday. But in saying all that, the only way... God's church can grow properly is by being built upon the word, the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, I will grow, I will grow my church. It's Christ who grows the church. And the way the, 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 the church grows is by the preaching and the teaching of God's Word. Because who is the Word? The Word is Jesus. And Jesus is the foundation of the church. And as God's people, as the elders of this church, we need to be preaching and teaching the Word alone. Because Jesus' words are the words of life. And as we are proclaiming Christ in his word, Christ is going to grow with people, both spiritually and his church numerically. The church is not to be built upon an elder or pastor's personality. And there are several churches here recently over the last couple years who have, um, who have had great difficulty because there were failures in that personality and and elders 
didn't follow through with the responsibility they had to not just protect the pastor, the, 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 the teaching elder of the church, but also protect uh, the church. <clears throat> and so we'll uh, talk about that in, more in just a moment. But again, how we care for elders, we honor them. The second way we honor elders, according to Paul, is in verses 19 through 21. We protect them and we rebuke them if necessary. Um, You know, those who lead are susceptible to criticism. They are going to have their critics. But the rest of the elder team... When criticism comes their way, they must not rush to judgment. They must be men who are wise and get all the facts before they take steps of rebuke or discipline if necessary. Paul says that when criticism comes, there must be two or three witnesses. And that idea of two or three witnesses, again, is the idea of protection. You don't want to just take one individual at their word. There must be two or three witnesses regarding an accusation. And receive the criticism um, with caution. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11 says, It is to a man's glory to overlook an offense. And so, yes, we want to be a church of grace. We want to be a church of compassion. But we want to know the facts before we rush into uh, anything that we might regret. If a person is caught in transgression... Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3 says this, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourselves, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something... When he is nothing, he deceives himself. So be cautious. Uh, The Bible says, be gentle. Uh, Says, restore. And that word restore means to set a broken bone. And if you ever have ever had to set a broken bone, or you've watched a broken bone be set, it requires uh, gentleness. There, it requires patience. And tenderness. But if there's accusations and uh, there's cooperation um, in these accusations, two or three witnesses are verifying um, the issue, there's truth to these accusations, then it requires rebuke. There are steps necessary for uh, this correction to take place. Let's go back to Galatians, or uh, 1 Timothy. 
verse 19. Do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. For those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all so that the rest may stand in fear. So when the other the accusers come before the elders, uh, Matthew chapter 18 needs to come into effect here. Those elders, if these things are true, they need to go to that elder and uh, speak to him privately, uh, looking for steps of correction to be made. But if they persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all. If changes aren't occurring in an individual's life in confidence, in private, then the next step is to take it before the church. And why are we to take it before the church? Verse 20. So that the rest may stand in fear. Sin is a serious thing. And as elders, we can't turn a blind eye to something that uh, one of our own may be allowing in their personal life. Paul says that we need to deal with it. Because if we don't, the gospel is at stake. The testimony of Jesus is at stake in that local church. And we are dishonoring the Lord's name. Relationships are being damaged. People are being hurt. And the ministry is being compromised. We cannot afford to overlook offense. And again, it requires more than one witness. We need to protect that elder. And if there is more than one witness to a particular situation, we need to get to the truth. The truth needs to come out. Discipline is necessary. necessary. Hopefully, it will be corrected in private. But if necessary, it must go public. And again, for churches who are built on the personality of one pastor, elder, for the rest of the elders, that is a very difficult thing to follow through on because so much is at stake because this church is not built on the person of Jesus Christ. It is built upon a person. And there have been some major mysteries over the last couple years where elders did not follow through quick enough with accusations that had been coming, being made about the senior leader. And because elders were more concerned about protecting the pastor teacher than the church things dramatically fell apart charlottesville north carolina a couple churches in chicago a church in, in seattle washington 
These men had um, significant ministries. One church in Chicago, accusations had been been made about the pastor for years. And the elders didn't take these witnesses, these accusations seriously. And it got to the point where it had to go public. And when it went public, all the elders resigned as well. Because they didn't they had not followed through on their own responsibility. And so Paul says this is an, a serious issue. Verse um, 21, he says, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of the elect angels, I charge you to keep these rules without prejudging, doing nothing from partiality. Okay, so it's not a rush to judgment, but... Find out the facts. And if they are true, don't treat whoever it may be against with partiality. Well, everybody likes him. Yes, everybody likes him. But you, we have a responsibility uh, to fulfill. And so in caring for elders, we honor them, we protect them, We rebuke them, if necessary. And then number three, we appoint elders. In verses 22 through 25. It's been a little while since we read that. Let me just read it again. Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands, nor take part in the sins of others, keeping yourself pure. Verse 24, the sins of some people are conspicuous, going before them to judgment, but the sins of others appear later. So also good works are conspicuous, and even those that are not cannot remain hidden. You know what? Only God knows the heart of every person. But yet as elders are considering other men to serve as elders in the life of the church, There needs to be great wisdom. Again, there can't be a rush to judgment just because someone has a charismatic personality and on the outside, you know, he's a real influencer. No, there needs to be wisdom and prayer involved in this process. The elder's eyes need to be wide open in considering someone else. It's kind of like what I say in premarital counseling. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't get through to those who are going through premarital counseling because they're just totally in love with each other. They're just mesmerized with each other. But I encourage them that you need to go into this relationship with eyes wide open. You need to know what you're getting into. And then once you're married, you need to keep them half shut, okay? <laughs> I, um, but that's true for us as elders, too. Our eyes need to be wide open. Who is this person? What is 
their background. If we, and again, only God knows the heart of a person, but in the, the council of the elders collectively, hopefully we can make um, a godly decision regarding an individu- individual to serve. Um, but it's it's dangerous to impulsively make a selection because if we do then verse 22 we are taking their sin their weaknesses upon ourselves okay so um, know what you're getting into and so I'm grateful. I'm grateful for our elders and the fact that uh, there's not a rush to judgment in any decision that we're making. We talk through these things. We pray through these things. We're even uh, praying through a, a decision uh, we could be possibly making over the next month or so. I'm not in a position to share with you what that is right now, but... I appreciate the um, um, the pace we go about making decisions together. It's critical that as a local body of believers, we are led well by godly men. Let's honor them. And so with that said, let's care for our elders. Let's do whatever is necessary to protect them, but if necessary, to rebuke them. And let's select future elders um, with great wisdom as God leads here. Would you pray with me, please? Worship team is going to come up, and we're going to sing in just a moment. But I, I want to encourage us right now. Would you pray for our elders? There's six of us: myself, Fred Henderson, Rick Long, Jim Witham, Harlan Coima, and Nathan Webb. you pray that God would give us wisdom and he would keep us unified in the decisions that we need to make? And that we would carry buckets of water and not gasoline on fires that we have to put out in our church? our church that we would be faithful in our stewardship so that we as a church can be generous to those who serve us here at Emmanuel. Pray for the support staff. Kathy Williams. 
has a huge job and she does it so well. I pray that God would bless her. For Shauna Larson, oversees much of our communication and what happens in our worship service. For Karen Vesey, who leads our life group ministry. Who loves those leaders and cares for those leaders. Thank thank God for her. Pray for our administration or financial department. For... Ann Henderson, she is our receivable. She's our receivables, and she communicates uh, how monies are being spent in our church. For Jody Ostrom, she's our payables person. She writes all the checks in our church. Both these ladies are tremendously qualified. Organize. If they had jobs out in the secular world, would be making a lot more money than they do here. They do it because they love this church. The same can be said for Johnny Meshoff, our HR person. She has a difficult position. The government requires a whole lot of information from a local church but she knows her job well. Pray for her. For Ratna, the Child Development Center, and for Lisa as principal of Emmanuel Christian School, our church has extended itself well beyond just a local church into this community with these two ministries. And we make ourselves very vulnerable to the enemy and to the government with these particular ministries. And we need to administrate these ministries with wisdom. to be wise as a serpent and to be gentle as a dove. Pray that God give these two women wisdom in leading those ministries. Father, I thank you for your word. God, help us to be faithful to your word. This church is to be built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. Jesus, you are the foundation. Jesus, we want to teach you because you are the word and you are the word of life and we have no other hope outside of who you are and want to be here and in our personal lives. So God, may we always magnify your Son, Christ, because if it weren't for him, we would 
not have any reason to be here today. We're here because of your goodness and your grace and your mercy. We love you. We thank you. I pray that, God, that you will be glorified in all that we say and do because we look to Jesus. In Christ's name, amen and amen.